Father's Day. Thank you, Lord, that we can worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. We honor you and we praise you, and we're just so happy to be here on this Sunday, Lord, as we celebrate fathers in 2022. Lord, may you be glorified in this service, and may your people be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is to be able to study God's word. And so we're going to just take a few minutes to continue this series on God use the unlikely. And today I chose to profile a guy that he's not completely as obscure as the little girl last week because we didn't even get her name. We do get this guy's name and his name was Abel. And Abel is not a very popular guy because he didn't last very long. Unfortunately, we learn about him in Genesis chapter four. We don't hear about him again until Jesus makes a, a, an obscure reference to him, I believe in Luke. And then we finally hear him in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. But let me just tell you some things about Abel that I like. And I kind of like may want to do a little fireside chat with you. So I'm going to just sit and just tell you some things. Um, some things I love about Abel is we don't know a lot about him. But what we do know is very good. And so there's lesson number one. You don't have to be popular to be impactful. You don't have to be a celebrity to make a difference. Little people, little people with little influence, at least ostensibly little influence in terms of their title and station in life can have a great impact on you. That's lesson number one. Don't feel that you have to so-called have a ministry or have a title or have a position in the church or a position in your company or be a high-ranking uh, person in the community. You can make a difference wherever you are in life. God uses unlikely little people. Little becomes much when placed in the master's hand. Amen? So it doesn't take a lot. Because God is the difference maker. God is the one who makes the impact. He's the one that changes things, not us. He, he will use us, but he can get the job done. He said if we don't praise him, that he'll have the stones cry out. Amen? So there was Cain and Abel in, the, in Genesis chapter 4. For the sake of time, rather than read, I'm going to just summarize it for you. They were coming to worship. And that's important. Because even as, as early as the book of Genesis, we're introduced to the topic of worship. And at this particular point, we're seeing church service for the very first time. And let's look at some things that we know. There was an appointed place. They, the Bible says that they brought their offerings to the Lord. That suggests that there was a place, a physical location, something that had a something that had a, an address. It had a designated location. So that says to me that worship should be done at a designated place that we should assemble. The Bible says in the New Testament, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. So assembly is important, whether we're assembling online or whether we are assembly in place on site, Assembly is necessary. Corporate worship was established in Genesis 4. No one can say that I'm okay going to Bedside Baptist. You cannot go to Bedside Baptist. That's quote for worshiping at home in your bedroom watching Jimmy Swaggart on TV. That's not a substitute for being in fellowship. 
It's not a substitute. People have been using that for years. Well, I can worship God at home. I ain't got to go to church. I don't have to assemble. I don't have to be a part of a community of believers. Yes, you do. According to the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, all we see is that there was a collective. There was always a collective. Worship was never an isolation in your silo. You're for no more. You do your own thing out on an island uh, separated from the body. There must be a place. Why is there a place? I believe that God established a place because there needs to be accountability. There needs to be community. There needs to be responsibility. So there was a designated place that they were to bring their offerings unto the Lord. That's thing number one we learn about worship. The second thing we learn is that there was a designated time. Okay? It wasn't, you know, CP time or whenever we show up time, 30 minutes after the time, an hour after the time, 10 minutes after. There was a time for worship. They had a specific time according to Genesis 4. You can read the passage and you'll get where I'm coming from. This was reiterated in 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians, when Paul said, when you come together on the Lord's day, so there was a time, there was a place, there was a time. Prepare your offering through the week so there will be no collection taken when I come, he said. There was a day, there was a place, there was a time because Cain and Abel both met there at the appointed time. The third thing is there was a, a way, a, I'll say a type or, or a manner of worship that God required. When they came together, when I was younger, I felt like Cain's offering was not accepted because it was not a blood. It was a bloodless sacrifice. That could still be correct. It could be correct because we don't know for sure if they were required to bring a blood offering. I think that the offering could have been grain and fruit because that was established as well. There were grain offerings that God implemented during the uh time of Leviticus, during the time of Moses, the Mosaic law. So I'm not so sure that grain offerings were off the table. I used to think that Cain's offering was rejected because there was no blood sacrifice. It wasn't an animal. Whether that's the case or not, the Bible doesn't say that specifically. The Bible tells us why he rejected Cain's offering, and we're going to get to that here in a second. But what is important is that an offering was required. So you come to church at a certain place. You come to church at a church at a certain time. You come to church on a certain day and watch this. And you come to church with a certain offering. You bring an offering to the Lord. Now, listen, I'm not one of those pastors that's trying to make a money grab right here. I don't care how much you bring. That's between you and the Lord. I don't care how you, whether you believe that you should tithe or whether you should just give a free will offering or whether you should give a donation on a whosoever will basis, however you want to construct that with you and the Lord, that's your prerogative. Here's what I do know, what I believe the Bible is completely explicit about, and that is that an offering is expected. Whether it's wheat, grain, a dove, a, a calf, a sheep, a lamb, in their day, in our day, whether it's a quarter, a dollar, a hundred dollars, whatever it is, an offering to God is always required in Scripture. Amen? So they brought an offering. 
the amount is not discussed. Isn't that good? It didn't say how much grain or wheat Cain brought. It didn't say how many animals Abel brought. It just said that they brought an offering according to Genesis chapter 4, and that the offering by Cain was rejected and the offering by Abel was accepted. I'm almost done. Just guess what? I'm halfway through the message, and I'm getting ready to give you the Monday morning moment here shortly. Let me tell you why the Bible says that Cain's offering or his service or his worship was rejected. It was rejected according to scripture in Hebrews. It was rejected because it was not given in faith. It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. By the way, whenever I see words like that, better, more, first, foremost, whenever I see designations relative to quality, not so much quantity, but quality. When I see designations that suggest that something has greater importance, like in First uh, Corinthians when it says, of first importance, Paul said, I said to this, that you know that Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and he rose again on the third day. He prioritizes things. And I think it's important that we have a priority when we come to worship, that our worship should be about what God gets, what God uh, receives how God is glorified, how God is affected by my worship. Too much, our, too much in the past, at least in my experience, worship has been self-centered. It's been people-centric worship. It's been, I feel, if the service was good, it's qualified by I felt good. I got moved. I got blessed. I was touched. I was inspired. All those are fine, but that's not the point of worship on worship what we do on sunday mornings this one day of collective worship that we designate as the lord's day it's about what does god get out of this service is god glorified is god elevated is god magnified is god exalted is god praised that's the key that has to be the key amen amen if i'm if god is glorified then by extension, I will be edified. I will be lifted up. I will be encouraged. I will be inspired. God must be first. Cain didn't feel that way. And when the book of Jude, Jude referred to that kind of worship as the way of Cain. You can find that over in Jude. Uh, chapter, well, there's only one chapter in Jude, Jude verse 11, when he talks about the way of Cain, he says, woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. What do you mean by gone the way of Cain? I mean, it means that they have tried to worship where they are exalted and not God. They have put themselves ahead of God. So Cain worship, unaccepted worship, unbiblical worship, improper worship is when we make ourselves higher and more important than God. That's improper worship and God rejects it. And let's just thank God that he doesn't reject it the way he did over in Leviticus chapter 10 when the two sons of Aaron, Nahab and Abihu, brought strange fire and worshiped God in a way that cost them their lives. Don't try to change what God has established. Let's not try to make worship about us. 
Let's not try to change what scripture has decided is what's considered orthodox or biblical worship. There is a theology of worship that worships that 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 focuses on God, and that's what the Lord expects of us. Amen. All right, my next to last point before I give you the Monday morning moment, and that is why was Abel's worship accepted by God? And what can we take away from that? What's what's our walking talking points as we leave here today? Well, Abel's worship was accepted by God because according to Hebrews, because he doesn't tell us, he doesn't tell us in Genesis 4, he doesn't tell us why he accepted Abel's worship. The Bible gives us more of a cliff notes approach to it. It's more of a summary approach. God rejected Cain's offering, but he accepted Abel's offering. And it doesn't give the percentages or it doesn't give the specifics rather as to why. Here is why. Cain's offering was not offered by faith. And as we see, he had anger in his heart and he was planning to murder his brother. He came to church with a bad attitude. It's the first murder in the Bible, by the way, if you're keeping score. This was the very first homicide in all of scripture. Cain killing his own brother about church. So whoever thinks that church is docile and passive and peaceful all the time, you would bet you would be sorely mistaken. People have been dying in church and about church for centuries, for millennia. I mean, Ananias and Sapphira died right at the front of the church. They came to church to give an offering and lied about the amount and they dropped dead. Husband and wife right in the church. Aren't y'all glad that God don't Aren't you happy that God seems to be a lot more merciful and long-suffering and patient than he was in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? And the New Test in the Old Testament, they didn't worship right and God set them on fire. In the New Testament, they didn't worship right and God had them drop dead. Neither one of them are good. I'd rather just worship right. <laughs> I'd rather just have the right attitude when it comes to worship. Amen. And I think one of the right attitudes is taking God seriously and being respectful and reverent and being prepared to worship him with the right attitude. Amen. And I think the things that we talk about oftentimes are important. You know, I think things like punctuality, things like faithfulness, things like consistency, uh, things like coming with an offering, being prepared forgiving our brothers and sisters and not harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness when we come to worship. I know we simply, we talk about that before we take the Lord's table. Hey, make sure you're forgiving everybody. Make sure there's no unconfessed sin in your life. Make sure that you're not holding any grudges. We say that about communion, but guess what? Those rules apply for all of worship. It's not just 1 Corinthians 11. All of worship is under those rules. We should never worship with unforgiveness toward our brother. If I'm not speaking to Rod, I don't need to be talking to God. I need to be talking to Rod first. I need to be making things right with Rod. How I'm just gonna bypass Rod and go up here and start worshiping. No, no, I need to get things right with Rod. I need to make sure that everything is cool, the air is clean, that if I've offended him, that I've asked, I begged, I beg his pardon. I've asked him for forgiveness. 
that I've made things right with my brother who I see every day. How can I love God who I've never seen physically? Amen. So God has this pecking order. He says, first of all, make sure your horizontal relationships are in order. Make sure you're speaking with your brother. Make sure that you've apologized to your sister. Make sure that you've been forgiven by your family and your friends and your fellow believers. Make sure all these horizontal relationships are in order. Amen? That's where things need to start. And God said, once those things are clear, and once things are fine horizontally, then you're prepared to worship me vertically. But you got to start with your brother and sister. So, so a takeaway, a lesson for me is that participating in church service in and of itself is no proof that we're true believers. Because we've just seen evidence where people have come to church with a bad heart and God took them out. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, that a lot of people have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I love, I love what it says over there in Isaiah 29. You can, you can make it and put it in your notes, Isaiah 29, 13. He says that these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's lip service. It's superficial worship. It's phony. It's petty. It's hypocritical. It's not genuine. There's no authenticity to it because it's lip service. You cannot worship God when your heart is not right, when there is not faith in your walk, when there is not purity and holiness in your life, when, you're con when your sins are unconfessed. You cannot properly worship God, not on Father's Day, not on any day. So things that we can learn from Abel are three quick things. Abel demonstrated true worship by his faith. Worship is about actions. What we do here on Sunday mornings, that's only the culmination. That's the final, that's the final celebration of the week of worship. We start worshiping God when we leave this building with our feet, with our hands, helping people, blessing people, serving people, submitting to people. Number two, I wrote down, that we know that we can't please God apart from faith. Hebrews 11, 6 says, without faith, and I love the word that the writer of Hebrews used. I don't know if it was Paul or whoever it was, but boy, they were dropping some very definitive words. This is one of those words that are called in the English grammar imperatives. And it says that it is impossible. Impossible makes that an imperative. That means that it's not optional. That means that there's no alternative. That means that you can't circumvent this with some sort of fancy argument. He says very clearly, it is impossible to please God without faith. Wow, that bears more time and we don't have it, but I'll talk about it another time. Number three I had here that Abel got correct is that we're called to worship the Lord according to what John 4.24 says, and that's in spirit and in truth. So apparently Abel's heart he was worshiping from a spirit that was sanctified by God, and he was worshiping in truth, the truth of God's word, per God's instructions. Amen? Several people died worshiping God because they didn't follow the rules. I remember once that David was returning the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, 
and the donkey or the cart that was carrying it lost its balance and the cart started to fall. And there's a guy named Achan. And Achan, he, he can't, <laughs> he can't touch the ark. Achan, I think it's spelled A-C-H-A-N, tried to balance the ark to keep it from falling. He had a good intention. He was trying to do a good thing, but he was doing it the wrong way. Just because you come to church don't mean that your heart is right. You have to come to church and then make sure that the inside is in the right place as well. He tried to stop the cart for the ark from falling. And when he touched it, he dropped dead because he was not authorized because he wasn't a high priest of the Levitical tribe of Levi to handle the priest, to handle the ark. And so he died as a result. God doesn't always go to that extreme, but God got rules. <laughs> God has rules. Just because he doesn't always execute punishment and judgment immediately doesn't mean that those rules can be violated. God has rules and they need to be observed. Amen? Really? I just pray that from this message, I could say more, but I'm going to stop. I, I pray from before I give you the money morning moment, I just pray from this message that you guys, I pray that you're encouraged from Abel to step up, to step up your worship game, to, to improve your serve. Let's, I, I, I'm so thankful and I'm so humbled by how many of you come to church faithfully, how many of you listen online faithfully, how many of you give generously and cheerfully of your earnings I'm just encouraged by that. It, it, it is an endorsement to me. It is a, a, it's, a it's it's a, it's a staple of, of saying, you know, we believe that this ministry is valid, that is legit, and I thank you for that. But I just pray that you look at your your walk with the Lord and and look at it from the standpoint that I'm not accountable to Pastor Will or to BBC or to the elders, but ultimately I'm accountable to God. And Lord, am I giving you my best? Am I serving you from my heart? Am I serving you with faith and with purity and with commitment and with reverence? Am I giving you everything I have? Are you getting the best of my talents? Are you getting the best of my time? Are you getting the best of my earn of, of, of the gifts that you've given to me in terms of my, my earnings and my, my money and my expendable income? Am I investing and being a good steward of these resources that's true worship amen the monday morning moment is true worship must be about the giver capital g and not the gifts i take that from romans 1 125 specifically i'll repeat it the monday morning moment is true worship must be about the giver and not the gifts Amen. So if you didn't get a copy of the notes for this sermon, please let me know. And if you would like a, if you would like the unedited version or the unabridged version of the notes, the ones that I actually teach from, I'll be glad to send you those. I, I send everyone a condensed version of the notes 
because Sister Marie once told me, ain't nobody trying to read all this. So, I mean, a after I picked my feelings up off the floor, I said, you may have a point, and so I'll quit sending so much information and give a, an abbreviated version. So the abridged version that you guys get on Thursdays and that my beautiful granddaughter, Peyton Isabella, sends out on Tuesday, the ones that those of you that get it in the mail, those are the abbreviated version of the notes. And when you see them, you can thank Sister Marie for their format and their brevity. But for those of you that would like to dig a little deeper, those of you that want, as we used to say at Friendship, the real Holy Ghost, if you really, if you really, really want. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, boy. Don't give me a mic. I'll tell you. <laughs> no, but if you would like uh, more information, I'll be glad to send it out because I try to keep it short. It wasn't just a smurrie. Uh, I, it, I try to keep it short because I want you all to read it. So I think if y'all see six pages of notes, you might be intimidated and say, I ain't trying to do all that, so I'll just listen to the sermon. But uh, I want you to be able to look up some of the scriptures and be a Berean. And, uh, and I think that if you really get into the text, it'll come alive to you. And I believe that there are things that you will read in the notes that I cannot always have time to say on Sunday mornings. Amen. All right, Lord, we just thank you for the message today, and we thank you for this Father's Day. Lord, may, may you be glorified in our service, Lord. May we be edified as we go out from this place to serve you, to work, to take care of business in your name. Lord, we just ask that you will lift it, be lifted up, Lord, that, God, you will be bigger in our sight, bigger in our minds, that we'll look at you with a, a better attitude and a, a more humble approach to our walk each day. Lord, that we will be serious about our worship and will come to worship with a better attitude, a better spirit, a better preparation, Lord, that our heart and our lives are in place, that we have no unconfessed sin in our life, that we've gotten things right with you and we've gotten things right with our brother and sister. Lord, may our coming to worship on Sundays be about diligence and faithfulness, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.